Are you aware of your SSTWA member benefits? We've got you covered on a range of member benefits from entertainment to insurance and legal. Check out our benefits hub via sstuwa.org.au slash benefits. Welcome to Western Teacher Live, the podcast of the State School Teachers Union of Western Australia. My name is Bob Fig, and today we're going to be discussing funding, but uh, not in the abstract, but in the uh, more directly linked way. How will it affect the schools that you may work at, that your children may attend, that you might be the principal of? Um, 1.6 billion a year, when you say it quickly, doesn't sound a lot, but it is a, an influential amount of money that's going to be coming from the new funding agreement over the next, uh, or bought in by the end of uh, 2024, we hope. So I'm going to get Matt Jarman, President of the State School Teachers Union, and Melissa Rinaldi, the school leader's organiser for the SSTUWA, to discuss those issues. I might, um, Melissa, put you on the spot immediately and, and ask you to tell us a little bit about, about your background and how you come to be at the SSTUWA. Thanks for that, Bob. Um, I've been at the department for the last 20 odd years, so had the opportunity to see what the system does uh, both centrally and out in the regional office um, and spent a lot of time working directly with our school leaders um, and uh, other staff around uh, support roles in the regions um, and in central office. So the opportunity <coughs> to come work at the SSTWA uh, fulfills for me an opportunity, I suppose, to keep doing some of the support work around what, uh, after that period of time, I can see school leaders particularly um, are asking for, are needing what I've been able to do along the journey, and I'm hoping to be able to keep doing that in this role. That's great news, and, and welcome aboard. And, and Matt, the, the funding agreement, which we've discussed in some detail on previous podcasts, where it's going to really make a difference, obviously, is, is in individual schools and individual classrooms. And I know that we are yet to see the full detail, as I like to put it, where the asterisks are going to be, what conditions are attached and all that sort of thing. But in, in broad terms, you, you're, a, a, until very recently, a, a principal of a primary school. If this money or some of this money obviously arrived at your school, what would you do with it? Well, we're talking about $1,800 per student uh, per year. So for, for my primary school of around 600, 650 kids, you'd be looking at about $3 million. It's an incredible amount of money uh, that would make a difference if it all came to me via the mechanism of the per-student funding formula. That's a question we don't have the answer to. How is the money going to come to schools and what will it look like? And and then, of course, the, the obvious question becomes, well, will there be any strings attached? And as I've mentioned in a previous podcast, there ought not to be because there are enough system and accountability measures in place already. This funding is about reducing the gap. This is getting us towards full funding and we simply need to listen to the people, which we don't do very well in, in education. We don't listen to the professionals on the ground very well. It must be one of the few professions where the teachers and the school leaders are not listened to. So we need to make sure that they are being listened to and, and make sure that those responses are taken into account how to best use these funds. And uh, I'll just, before we bring Melissa into the conversation, just, just a, a little question about that too. Um, when the conditions are set... Is there a clear path as yet as to who will set those conditions? 
because one of the recommendations of uh, Face into Facts, the Lawrence Review, was a joint um, approach to these things, a, a, a collegiate um, and cooperative approach to making these sorts of decisions and, and offering these sorts of directions. Is that the way forward for you, for, for guiding um, any conditions on the funding? Well, primarily, we don't really mind who takes ownership or responsibility as to how the system is fixed. Our position is we just want a better quality public education system and we want to make sure that the conditions for our staff are improved so that not only we don't lose them, but we retain them as well. So we totally endorse recommendation number 46 from the Carmen Lawrence Independent Report, which is the Joint Consultative Committee. And uh, we know that the Minister for Education, Dr Booty, has come out on several occasions and publicly recognised facing the facts, which includes that recommendation, of course. And we're looking forward to getting started on that work in 2024, 25, possibly 26. And uh, Melissa, a chance to bring you in here. The, the contact you've had with principals and school leaders, both within the union and before that with the department, you must have a pretty clear idea of how a lot of people, where, where their big pressure points are. How, how do you think they're going to be able to use this funding? Yeah, Bob, the, the overwhelming feedback that, that comes from school leaders um, in talking to them in their day-to-day work, which, you know, they're experts in, they've been doing it often for a significant period of time, um, we trust their judgement to uh, look after their students. Um, they don't have enough time. They, they don't have enough time to do what they know they need to do. And they know that's not just them, that also applies to their teachers, it applies to their support staff, and they feel the pressure... Um, sitting as the leader of their school between what the system tells them that they need to be doing and what they should be doing and what their staff are telling them and what their communities are telling them their kids need. And that is, in essence, the uh, the, the $1.6 billion question. How are we going to work out how to give principals, teachers, schools more time to do the work that they are actually excellent at doing. So that is things like predominantly uh, class sizes, support in the classroom from uh, specialised teachers in particular areas around literacy and numeracy. In high schools you're looking at uh, particular uh, subject areas where we have staff shortages. We need time to give those people the opportunity to do the job that we know they can do. School leaders consistently say there are not enough hours in the day there's only one of me I can only ask my staff to do so much the system has been putting that on school leaders now for over a decade um, with the expectations that they will simply just keep doing what needs to be done because they're good at their job and it's at the point now where they're all saying we just can't keep doing that so the one thing that they consistently ask for is time to do the stuff that they are good at doing and they want the opportunity to do that it's basic stuff and they don't want to have to do more to explain how they do what they already do. So if, uh, what they want to avoid is more red tape accompanying extra money, without a doubt. Um, the situation in a school has become, in schools has become so serious. There's a real problem now even getting people to take that step up to become a principal. And I think one of the key factors is the, the rewards don't match the extra time and investment um, both physically and mentally in the job and I guess and that's something this is going to have to address. Absolutely. The, the number one comment I get from principals who are, um, you know, pulling those 50, 60, 70 hour weeks, they know what they have to do to 
uh, meet the demands of everything placed on them uh, is the number of people they meet with, parents, teachers, who all say to them straight up, I wouldn't do your job for quids. Now, you know, once upon a time, it was very easy to say to teachers and um, and to, to school leaders, oh, no, it must be a great job. You've got all those holidays. You've got those opportunities. It's like, that just doesn't happen anymore. That Over the, the past period of time, it's never been like that. People have that view, but the work that happens outside of school um, during the, those term breaks, that is the stuff that now is uh, at breaking point for teachers, for school leaders, um, for anybody connected to supporting those staff because they can see what it's doing to them. So in order to attract people back into the job, to give people time um, to actually be quality teachers and leaders, more support in schools is needed directed um, where they can use it and they know how they need to use it. And Matt, the the, the um, overriding theme you get now is like from surveys that we do, state a school survey at the SSTUWA conduct, you've got principals back in the classroom, you've got school leaders back in the classroom. They're not doing the jobs that they should be doing, they're doing the jobs that teachers should be doing because of the teacher shortage. So again, the bag of money is one thing and it's a fantastic um, reversal of where we've been heading, but how do you make that into a practical impact in a classroom? Um, you can't literally go out and buy extra time, obviously. So, so where is the structure going to have to change? Does it involve the red tape report that the department did in, in reaction to facing the facts? Is, is that where some of the answers lie along with facing the facts? The Minister for Education, Dr Buddy's uh, workload reduction report almost reflects uh, the facing the facts recommendations. So we don't have a different set of recommendations about reducing teacher workload. What we have from the Minister's own report is that teacher workload is tied up in red tape. It's onerous, it's unattractive, it's a profession. Uh, it's a professional choice that um, we need to recognise, otherwise I'm not going to keep the people we have. We're already watching uh, graduates leaving. We're watching gradu- uh, undergraduates leaving the studies before they even become formally qualified. And we're watching um, teachers at the other end of the scale who we really need to retain uh, leaving as well, which leaves us with a, a predicament that's going to last much, much longer than the global and national shortage if we don't we don't start to deal with that. Melissa talks about time. Time can uh, be built into uh, the school by providing more per student formula uh, funding as a response, and it can also go to removing many of the... Um, uh, individual learning plan expectations upon upon teachers. We have teachers who have got a classroom of 30, 32 students. They're, they're managing, uh, we've certainly got members who are managing a dozen individual education plans. They're not just writing plans, they've also got to coordinate with therapists and parents and organise meetings and do minutes for those meetings. It, it's just an outrageous amount of work for someone who is primarily employed to transfer the curriculum to a set of students. So all of these sorts of um, initiatives need to be dealt with rather quickly, otherwise the teacher shortage is not going to expire and that, tra- that then builds into the school leader shortage as well. Uh, as of last week, um, we noted that there was still around about 55, 60 
uh, permanent principal positions unfilled at, at the beginning of the year. And that's an incredibly high number for the start of a school year. You might get that over the course of a term, but you certainly don't kick off your school year with that number of principal positions unfilled. And that, you know, is recognising the fact that you've had all summer to try to fill them. So we have some immediate changes that need to be made. And may I make the stressful point that a lot of these changes are policy. These are not necessarily a financial impact. Two thirds of the recommendations in the Facing the Facts or thereabouts uh, report are no cost items. So these are policy shifts and these are cultural shifts that can be done. They don't need uh, a committee, uh, an oversight. They don't need any, they can simply be done by the employer at a stroke of a pen, if you like. The Joint Consultative Committee provides us with a mechanism to deeply analyse them and then make recommendations, and we really welcome that and hope that that can get up and running soon. Well, we hope so too. Melissa, just on a slightly different subject, of course, we're hearing about the burdens that principal school leaders carry. Your specific role within the SSTUWA is around supporting them. How, how can they reach out and get help um, if they're already members and how can they join if, if they're not members? Just uh, contact us via our website. Yes, Bob, contact us via our website um, and uh, be happy to explain what's involved. If you'd like to become a member, uh, I'm happy to talk to school leaders who might be thinking around that space. Um, and you can do that through our website or through Member Assist. And I think one of the big things now is this collegiate approach where, where the union works so well to, to bring the whole school together. It, it, you were past that situation where the union might come in to represent a teacher who's in trouble and therefore the relationship with the principal isn't so good. It's much more collegiate now and that's the, the really important factor. Absolutely. And, and I've long held the belief that uh, we do so much better together. Um, we don't always have to agree. Um, but there, we can professionally work through conflict. We can work out how we can actually work with each other and how we can actually resolve issues. Ultimately, that's about making things better for kids in our schools and all principals and teachers want that um, in the place that they work. So that's what we actually want to work with, with school leaders to make things better for their schools. Excellent. And Matt, of course, that's, that's a principle we apply right across the SSTUWA membership, um, that, that these are situations where you can make a difference. Uh, in terms of our log of claims and in terms of the implementation of face and effects and, and how this funding is going to be directed, um, if you're a member, you can have a say. You can. I really want to um, stress uh, two, two points in response to or adding on to what Melissa has just mentioned. First of all, in her introduction, she really did undersell her experience. She's got outstanding general agreement and labour relations um, history has been used extensively uh, in parliamentary committees and within the department's hierarchy as well, and was often the go-to person for some of these sticky situations. Within, and it's really quite important for, for teachers, deputies, heads of department, principals to all understand that Melissa is part of the organisers team. Melissa is in the room with our organisers trying to resolve issues at the lowest level as soon as possible. We, we strongly, and the reason for that is because we strongly believe, as Melissa just said, we are all in this together. Division does not help public schools operate any better. Uh, we we will not accept or uh, and we will do everything we can to prevent a separate agreement um, whereby that division is allowed to be ensconced. Uh, it's important that that's known from the beginning because public schools and people in the community expect public schools to all be working together uh, for the best interests of that school community and the individual students who attend. So it's important that our school leader and our uh, teacher organisers are all working with one another 
uh, on the same page, working towards the same goals, and that's why we've always had a resource, or we've had a resource allocation dedicated towards that uh, particular goal for some time now, and it's been very effective, um, but that at the very centre of it is the, is the ethos of it. Good, and uh, if you want to take advantage of that, you want to learn more about becoming a member of the SSTUWA at whatever level, you may be a teacher, you may be a HOD, you may be a HOLA, you may be a school principal, a level three classroom teacher, then we've got some support from you, particularly new educators just starting out in your careers as well. So go to our website, sstuwa.org.au. There's uh, plenty of information on there. You can also call on 92106000 or 1800199073 or drop us an email to contact at sstuwa.org.au. Give us an idea of, uh, of, of uh, what your role is and we can put you in touch with the right person to help you out. Um, with a membership query. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Melissa. It's been a long journey to this point for the SSTUWA and for everybody out there who's worked so hard to get this uh, funding uh, change in place. We're at the start of a long road, but at least we're at the start of it now, not still sliding downhill as we were for for quite a while there. So thank you for listening and uh, join us again for the next uh, Western Teacher Live, the podcast of the State School Teachers Union of Western Australia. Western Teacher Live, what public education is about.